The Titanic community can be full of contradictions. We are endlessly patient and methodical in so many ways, and wildly reactionary and bullish in others. The perpetually in development Titanic Honor and Glory video game is the perfect encapsulation of those two extremes. Before getting into it, I need to give a bit of context. First, for an event that happened over a century ago, you might be shocked how often there is no information about Titanic. Whether it's a dive to the wreck site that gives us more context into the breakup, or some new photo or document from its construction that turns up in someone's attic, there's always some new information, theory or interpretation of a first-hand account, which keeps the Titanic community thriving. As a for instance, it's only been about 10 years since we found out that Titanic's central propeller was three-bladed. It was previously accepted it was four-bladed. Its older sister ship Olympic was four-bladed, so it was just assumed Titanic was the same. What does that matter, you might ask? Well, in a lot of ways, it doesn't. But that's exactly the kind of minutia that gets us excited. The circumstances of Titanic sinking makes it uniquely ripe for discussion. Only about one third of Titanic's travellers survived, which means we only have one third of the story. The eyewitness accounts are fascinating, but they can also be conflicting and contradictory. Trying to put that puzzle together to separate fact from fiction, exaggeration from reality, and prejudice from truth is part of what sucks you in. As a result, people get attached to one version of events, or one theory that they don't want to give up. As one final example of just how stubborn we are as a community, there exist anecdotes from the early 80s of Titanic enthusiasts arguing with actual living Titanic survivors about what they witnessed during the sinking. I've heard there exists a video of people shouting down Eva Hart after she states that she saw the ship break apart, something that wasn't really believed until the wreck was discovered in 1985. Now I've never seen this video myself, but the very fact that this story exists and everyone in the community finds it plausible makes the point on its own. It begins in 2011. A small group calling themselves ORM Entertainment starts advertising a Crisis 2 mod turned game called Titanic Lost in Darkness. Their goal shifted a bit over its short lifetime, but the bottom line was that they were going to digitally recreate almost or every part of Titanic. They published some, at the time, very impressive looking screenshots and put out a few videos showing off their work. It gets a lot of people very excited. A lot of the team is based in Germany, but among them are three Americans named Tom, Matt and Kyle. Matt and Kyle are doing modelling work and Tom is writing a story to accompany the evolving experience. There's some sort of bitter falling out between them and the rest of the team, the details of which are still mostly private. The end result of it being that in early November 2012, Tom, Matt and Kyle hijack the Facebook page for Lost in Darkness and remake it into a page for a game called Titanic Honor and Glory.
Before we go any further, please understand that these are pretty young guys. They're completely self-taught, with no professional modelling, programming, game development background, and by their own admission, are figuring it out as they go. Tom is the project director, writer and producer, and is the undisputed face of this project. Tom loves the spotlight and comes off as the sort of person who loves to correct people. Tom loves history. He travels constantly, seemingly at whim, and romanticizes early 20th century depictions of masculinity. His Instagram is absolutely packed full of photos of himself looking thoughtfully off frame in expensive, well-fitted period costumes, often on location. If this story has an antagonist, it's him. Matthew is the interior modeler and is the number two guy. If you're not seeing Tom, as you are 80% of the time, you're seeing Matt. Matt is very different from Tom. He's soft-spoken, a little awkward, but is genuinely and outwardly passionate about Titanic. Kyle is the exterior modeler. We don't see him much, to be honest, and to date he's only ever prominently featured in one video update, and has struck me as someone who is deeply interested in modeling the ship and not at all interested in the drama that will ensue. Honestly, I won't mention him much because he is largely removed from the public drama. It just felt wrong not to include his name, as he is an integral part of the project. Keep in mind, dozens upon dozens of other people will float in and out of this project. Countless modelers, programmers, soundtrack people, fashion consultants, artists, and others will come and go over the next 10 years. But these three are the core team. The remaining Lost in Darkness team continues to use some of the work done by Honor and Glory, claiming that that content was made specifically for their project, and thus, they have rights to it. Upon the launch of Honor and Glory, Tom describes the situation thusly. We owned all the copyrights for the content, and ORM was more or less just having us work for them and hand over our work. For the most part, they weren't doing any work of their own, not even promising much in return. After we found that not only were we being heavily taken advantage of, but they were also claiming credit and even poorly guiding the game to success, we decided that we would take all our content and create our own game independently. We never signed contracts and they didn't own any of our content. So, Titanic Honor and Glory is the content you were all excited for, but it's a new project. Without our content, ORM had nothing for the game. There are no legal repercussions as we've just taken back what is ours. Lost in the Darkness lives on for a while longer and the two groups drift between cold indifference and openly hostile. Tom occasionally trolls their Facebook page, once leaving a comment saying, I like the detail on the clock, to bring attention to a particularly low-res clock texture in one of their screenshots. Honor and Glory promises to be everything Lost in the Darkness said it would be, and more. The next year or so are mostly pretty smooth, there's a real energy to the project, and the team is very active online. Every few days, they post a screenshot of a lounge, or half-completed model. 
they're also doing some very legitimate research, occasionally making small discoveries about the colour of the tile in certain rooms, or the shape of the windows in the first class dining room. Half a decade later, Matt puts out a very candid video where he talks about this time. He prefaces it as a time when they were young and dumb, and describes it as follows. We thought this would be a quick and easy Titanic game, with a small plot revolving around exploring the ship. We had a few little sinking elements, a little bit of flooding, some exciting but limited story, and a couple of characters. We weren't sure how exactly, but we were focusing on creating the ship. We'd been modelling the ship in our spare time for a few years already. At the direction of Tom, the scope of the project begins to inflate. Tom asserts himself as the face of honour and glory. It's almost always him hosting video updates, and honestly you can tell he enjoys the attention. But there does seem to be continual progress, so who cares, right? There are now, unconfirmed but believable, reports that there were starting to be pushback from some of the volunteers on the project who didn't like what it was starting to become. Eventually, Tom took on the role of project leader and coordinator, on top of changing it from a passion project to a full-blown game to draw in small investments and build to big investors. Nonetheless, in March of 2013, they launched their first fundraiser campaign. They state they need money to pay for better computers, licenses, and research material. They state this is phase two of a five-phase plan. At this stage, their target release date is around the Titanic's 104th anniversary in 2016. The Indiegogo goes live with a $20,000 target and starts out pretty strong. They're extra active during this period while promoting, but donations really begin to fall off after the first few weeks, as fundraisers do. They do hit their goal, but barely. Two last-minute huge donations push it across the finish line, the final donation being somewhere in the ballpark of $3,500 comes in literally during the last hour of the campaign. That money raised went mostly to computers and software, but a lot went to fulfilling perks. We didn't expect to have to pay so much for perks. There was a learning curve with these fundraisers, said Matt in 2018. During the course of this Indiegogo campaign, they announced they were working with Titanic heavy hitters like Ken Marshall, Park Stevenson and Steve Hall. Some people might not be hugely aware who these people are, but they're big names in Titanic circles, and to have them attached to your project lends immense credibility to your research. Over the next few months, outwardly at least, we're getting regular posts and screenshots. They're throwing out trivia, they're doing polls, and they're openly engaging with fans. If you're a Titanic enthusiast at this time, it's a very exciting time to be following the project. In March of 2014, they announced a switch from Cry Engine to Unreal Engine. When a fan asks about the switch prolonging the game's development, the response is, we haven't lost any time by doing the switch. Everything is right on schedule. Behind the scenes, however, we didn't get enough money for all the research, the games, or to complete even the tour aspect. By this time, late 2014, 
some of us were putting our own funds into the game. 2015 brings the second Indiegogo fundraiser, Phase 3. If you needed proof that the project had ballooned, here they set a target of $250,000. As if recreating Titanic, hundreds of NPCs and having it realistically sink wasn't enough, they now claim they will also attempt to recreate the city of Southampton, England, as it appeared in 1912. Maybe this needs to be big, really big, bigger than our small team could accomplish. We decided that it was too much for us to do on a fundraising budget. We needed the attention of the big boys. We decided to try and raise the money one last time on Indiegogo to finish the research, build the boat, and to find a team to help us find investors to create a AAA game, which was what fans were telling us they wanted. They do put a lot of effort into this campaign. It looks professional, the timeline is detailed, their credentials seem to be there, and there are a lot of perks for donors. However, this is also around the time a lot of people start questioning the viability of the project. A static model is one thing, this is something that would be ambitious for even an established game studio. Furthermore, they set stretch goals that reach as high as $2 million, which is what they claim will actually be needed to comfortably complete the game. The campaign finishes with $60,405, 24% of their primary goal, and 3% of what they claim they need to finish the game. If you've ever heard of this project before, there's a good chance it was in 2016. As a part of Titanic's 104th anniversary, the team threw together a last minute real-time syncing video. It went viral and received worldwide attention. I haven't seen anything Titanic related get that much press since the 97 movie. They had articles written, they did TV interviews, they were on PRI. As of today, an astounding 6 to 8 million views are on that video. I'd love to know what was going on behind the scenes at this point, but I don't. What I can say is that it only cemented the idea in Tom's head that he would be able to attract big investors and game studios to the project. Dr. Paul Lee is a fairly renowned and respected Titanic historian, researcher and author. He maintains a website, which visually hasn't changed since the late 90s, full of his Titanic research to this day. After the real-time sinking video blew up, he made a post on his website critiquing some of its inaccuracies minute by minute. Paul Lee is sort of known for this and has done similar critiques on just about every Titanic movie ever made. Overall, he's complimentary. He calls it a commendable first effort and states he hopes that these comments can be incorporated into future iterations of the movie to make it more accurate. But it's still a critique, and Tom, who's just enjoyed months of positive headlines and attention, sends him a response via email in October of 2016. Paul Lee ends up posting their entire email exchange on his website. It devolves very quickly. Tom begins by thanking Dr. Lee and acknowledging that because they did it so quickly, they are aware of some inaccuracies, but ends with, 
On the other hand, some of your details are wrong. I wish to remind you that we are working with evidence that is either incredibly rare or even thought to be lost to history. We have first-hand accounts that were never made public and are working with historians who have been to the wreck and analysed every foot of the debris field with forensic techniques. Remember how earlier I told you people in this community get attached to their view of things and hold on to it? Paul Lee is one of those guys. No one is going to tell him that his research is wrong. And I'll say, Dr. Lee doesn't come off great in this exchange either. Where Dr. Lee is aggressive and patronising, Tom is smug and passive-aggressive. I spotted a good 75% of the errors immediately on the first showing, so why didn't Honour and Glory? I could have done a much better job from scratch, in four days. Also, research from near scratch implies a lack of knowledge of the disaster itself. Everyone I know who is familiar with the aspects of the disaster could have made a to-do list of important historical points within a few hours. I pride myself on the quality and accuracy of my research, and not the slapdash honour and glory approach. I must also mention that when I research my own Titanic anniversary events, I spend at least five months preparing, compared to the last-minute approach of the two titanic tykes here. At some point, Dr. Lee is banned from Honor and Glory's Facebook page, which he brings up. Tom replies, I did not get you banned, your actions got you banned. The thread on our Facebook page was started when one of our fans became angry with us over your misleading comments. When we defend ourselves by stating that your false accusations are indeed false, you act as a victim. This is a poor, pathetic tactic. Dr. Lee degrades one of their advisors. Side note, Dan Butler's reputation is controversial and his work in Titanic circles is not generally well respected. Amongst the honour and glory experts is Dan Butler, a known plagiarist and liar who is a close friend of Tom's. Butler was ejected from five Facebook groups over the course of one weekend for his vile, rude behaviour and his lies and one consultant on Honour and Glory hates him too. Eventually, Tom insinuates he will seek a legal remedy. Your misrepresentations, as well as your misleading statements on your page, have been documented and archived by third-party individuals should this escalate further. Dr. Lee even at one point calls Tom a whining, snivelling little shit. Fucking wild, right? Just last year, Dr. Paul Lee actually popped onto the Titanic Honor and Glory subreddit to explain his side of things. He claims that after a few years of sharing research with the team, he was booted from their Facebook group after posting his initial corrections and was subject to a personal attack of which he does not explain. It was after that that Tom reached out to him with the initial email which set him off. For the record, he does apologise for using the word twink derogatorily. There are unconfirmed rumours that some of the other well-known Titanic historians left the project around this time due to Tom ignoring their advice or stealing their findings without due credit, particularly Steve Hall. 
2017 through 2018, publicly at least, are pretty good years for the project. In 2017, the team releases Demo 3, which is legitimately an incredible experience. It's by no stretch a game, of course, but walking around some of Titanic's rooms, particularly in virtual reality, is astounding. They state publicly this will be the last demo that they release until the game is completed. 2018, they promise a lot more structure and transparency. They state they will upload monthly status updates the first week of every month, Q&As the second week of every month, etc. They stick with this schedule for a little less than a year. At this point, delays are all blamed on a lack of investment and any talk of a possible release is always answered by two years from investment. From 2018 onward, Tom will constantly tease news of an investment and brag about other major partnerships. I've been working with a couple of professional game producers on how to get this game transitioned from a small team fundraising and crowdsourcing to an actual AAA project and that transition is moving, said Tom in June of 2018. I'm talking on a daily basis to a producer and other team members who have joined and helped us in the last few months, on a voluntary basis. These are professionals from the industry who are devoting their time to get what we have to the level we need in order for those investors who are already interested to give us that yes. It's very promising and I can't wait to tell you about it. It is moving, moving along very fast, much faster than anticipated, said Tom in July of 2018. We have a lot of open doors on both fronts. It's a matter of getting terms agreed on, said Tom in December of 2018. This is the pattern that will be repeated for several years. They're always on the verge of a breakthrough. They've always got people interested. They always have a lot moving behind the scenes that they can't share the details of yet. Maybe some of it was true, I really don't know. But some people have come forward to refute what we were being told publicly. During one of our private conversations sometime back in 2016, Tom confided there were no major investors that they were in talks with. The reason why he kept mentioning we are in talks with major investors in the YouTube videos, news and interviews was only to keep people interested for future backing and to keep the attention on the project going until they found an actual investor. Another user claims that he actually tried to hook Tom up with an investor, but that he dismissed my potential investor help, saying they were only looking for an investor in the five to $10 million range. The exact amount needed has oscillated several times. As stated earlier during the second Indiegogo campaign, they claimed they needed at least $2 million. However, in December of 2018, Tom says it's essentially a $7 million project. In July of 2020, he says, the scope hasn't made the project less attainable in any way. It always flexes a little bit here and there. Sometimes it goes up 100,000, sometimes it goes down, but it's always within that $1 million range. In October of 2018, the team really starts pushing the online store and decent chunks of their game updates include information about products being added to their online store. All of course to help fund the game and search for investment. 
They sell prints, replicas, calendars, and most notably, they begin selling $100 3D printed 1 by 1000 scale models of various ocean liners. This is probably worthy of a video on its own. People have waited over a year, and some are still waiting, for their models to be shipped. One Reddit user posted a month or so ago that they ordered a model in late September of 2019 and was given an estimated arrival time of three to four months, but didn't receive the order until this month. One year and four months of wait time. And yet up through 2019, they continue to add more ships to their store. In 2019, they only make two status updates, one in February and one in July. In the July update, Tom says they've partnered with a AAA level game art house, 5518 Studios, who are making NPCs for them. He also says they have brokers and a producer for the game. This producer, who goes unnamed, has a perfect reputation for always finishing every single one of his projects on time and on budget. He also says the producer has told them he saw exactly eye to eye with them on their vision for the game and says they can even raise the bar further. As the project timeline stretches on, Tom continued to raise expectations and exaggerate. Some of the tech being developed by this LA studio with this game in mind is so groundbreaking that even the government is kind of interested in it. When this game comes out using this tech and using the authenticity of the Titanic and the graphics that we're putting into it, it's going to blow people away. Last year, in 2020, things really grind to a halt. There's one status update in April where Tom says they've partnered with a firm in Florida to help them find funding. He also says, though they only initially planned to have 220 unique characters in the game, some of the studios they are partnering with are encouraging them to make each of the 2,200 passenger and crew of the Titanic. Then, radio silence. Until August of 2020, when Tom puts up a video advertising new items on the online store. Not a single word about the game's progress, funding or any future updates. Most people have really had it at this point. I wouldn't normally recommend reading YouTube comments, but it pretty well represents how we were all feeling. As if that wasn't enough, in November, they add salt to the wound. Up to this point, the way that modeling was tracked on their website was through a progress map, a top-down version of Titanic where each color represented a different phase of development. It was updated a handful of times from 2012 to 2020 and was watched incredibly closely by fans and donors. Ship progress was one of the main talking points of several status videos. For example, in April 2020, Tom said the following. The goal of the project is to recreate the Titanic inside and out 100%. We're currently around 80% finished, give or take 1% or 2%. However, just six months later, November, with none of the usual fanfare, they quietly update the progress map with a more detailed version. 46% completion. 46%. Tom and the project as a whole 
have lost pretty much all remaining credibility with most fans. In addition, stories are just flooding out left and right about what a terror he is to work for. Tom and the Honor and Glory team are known for scoping out other Titanic model makers and enthusiasts to do free or low paid work. Titanic Animations was no exception and had a close friend of his working for them. Titanic Animations stated the following in a Reddit post, which is worth mentioning as he's a reputable and trusted source of information and content within the Titanic community. I've heard and seen, not just speculating here, I've seen screenshots, the things that you and your team have done to people around the world in the past eight years. And honestly, you guys aren't the type of people that I want to associate with. I don't want to associate with someone who constantly and habitually uses others for his own benefit and gain, then tosses them aside on a moment's notice, never to be spoken to again, and they move on to the next people to use. I have no interest in working for a team leader who regularly ignores criticism and valid constructive criticism. I have no interest in working for someone who at my last count, 13 prior co-workers and former friends have said is a nightmare to work with. I have no interest in working for someone who uses others for their knowledge and expertise and then takes advantage of that and claims that expertise and knowledge to be their own. I have no interest in being your whipping boy. So now we're almost up to date. A couple of months ago, after a year of essentially radio silence and almost 10 years of waiting, the Honor and Glory team posted a statement to their Instagram, signed Matt and the team at Honor and Glory. No Tom? In it he acknowledges the fans' grievances, going as far as to say, We've spent far too much of our lives on this to accomplish so little, and so we began to step back and rethink our goals. We saw what you were saying, what you wanted, what you hoped for, what you feared. The lack of updates, transparency, and abundance of silence, to name a few. They promised to breathe new life into the project and refocus the direction due to the lack of investment. They state they will pursue something they can make on their own and say the team's excitement level is higher than it's been in years. They promise a live stream at the end of that month to explain everything. The day before the live stream, Matt posts a video where he says they have to delay it due to legal reasons. He assures everyone that they are listening to their feedback, but reiterates there is a very legal reason they can't do this live stream right now, but they will as soon as they can. Matt was always a bit stilted and uncomfortable on video, but in this you can tell he's tense. Rumours flood the community that Tom has left, or been ousted, from the project. Tom, who started his own unrelated YouTube channel, called Part-Time Explorer, replies to someone in the comment section of a community post, stating that he hasn't been involved with much Titanic Honor and Glory for the past year, and that he thinks Titanic Honor and Glory has asked for more than enough from fans, and it's time to friggin' deliver. It's me who has been the face of the project, and I feel others use that as an excuse to do whatever they want. There's even speculation amidst the community that the legal reasons, as Matt put it, for not being able to do the planned livestream, 
actually stem from Tom trying to sue the team. Their feud with Titanic VR, Tom's Titanic student films, The Britannic Experience, released in 2020, Tom's secondary company, the overseas trips using donations, which is a whole other thing, Tom's fixation on making their YouTube channel the ultimate and singular source for all Titanic and Ocean Liner history, other Titanic historians who've left the project suddenly under questionable circumstances. There's a ton of Discord stuff I'm not privy to because I'm not on Discord. Creating a Reddit account to find out more about this project unfolding behind the scenes drama was about as far as I was willing to go and even just making a Reddit account has been quite the ride. I have to say I do believe pretty much everyone went into this with the best of intentions. I don't think there was any conscious effort to lie, to exaggerate perhaps, but not to outright lie or screw over their fans. They were young guys who let early positive feedback go to their heads. They weren't equipped to deliver what they were promising and underestimated just how difficult a venture they were setting out on. They just constantly were laying the track in front of the train and counting on some magic investor or developer who would save them. Most of the ire is directed at Tom and that's mostly a result of his own design. He worked so hard to be the face of the project and he succeeded. That's great when it's going well, but not when someone needs to take responsibility for 10 years with little to show. Who knows, maybe Matt and Kyle will turn it around. For all the negative rumours and experiences people have had with Tom, many of those same people say Matt and Kyle were great to work with. Most fans would have just been happy with the ability to walk the ship like a virtual museum. And they seem to have hinted that that's what they'll do now if they can get out of whatever legal restraints they're under. I read somewhere that this project was the most accurate digital reproduction of anything from history ever. And while I don't know how you even quantify something like that, I wouldn't be surprised if it was true. Drama aside, Demo 3 is a huge achievement. To put on VR goggles and walk around the decks of a ship that sank 100 years ago like it was brand new is truly a fucking incredible experience. I do believe there is a real future in teaching history this way. I personally think the reason Tom left wasn't ousted, wasn't dropped, is because things weren't going the way he envisaged, as he was over-promising big time, and the team, Matt and Kyle mainly, didn't have the spine to tell Tom that he needed to rein his expectations in a bit to become more realistic and attainable. They're all at fault. But Tom comes across as the typical villain in all of this, because he's confident, likes being on camera, and seemingly comes from money. But even that is allegedly something that was made up by someone on Reddit and, like so many rumours, it grew arms and legs and couldn't be stopped. Along with the rumour that his father is a hotshot lawyer that was helping him to sue the team. And I don't know how much Matt will disclose in the Titanic Honor Gordy livestream, which is taking place on April 10th, but I think Tom wanted to leave and pursue other things. His part-time Explorer YouTube channel, for example. 
but also I think it was the best thing to do for the Titanic Honor and Glory project, since so much of the community dislikes Tom and feels that he, personally, has dried the project down. And maybe that's even gone to Tom and made him want to leave the project. I'm not his biggest fan, but to be as hated or disliked as he is within the Titanic community, and you should see some of the things said and speculated about him on Reddit, that would take its toll on anyone. I think this story is an important one to tell. Maybe not at night time as a bedtime story to kids, but as a cautionary online tale from a niche and obscure corner of the internet. What to do and what not to do when you have a dream and want to bring it to fruition. Thank you.